Who's ready for the word today? Open up your Bibles with me to John chapter 5. And as you're turning there, I want us to welcome our children's pastor here, Lacey Stegall. If you wouldn't give Lacey a big hand today. Lacey has been on staff with us since September. And um, I want her just to say a little piece. And then she's got a couple of announcements of things that are coming up for your children. So listen up. Hey guys, welcome. Um, if I have not had the pleasure of meeting you, I am Lacey, like Pastor Chase said, and I want to say something really quickly because if you have met me, you probably have gathered that I'm very touchy-feely um, and uh, a little over the top about that. Our kids downstairs get tickled at me, but um, I have to gush for just a second because um, I didn't come to Legacy. I really feel like God brought Legacy to me in so many ways, and I just have to brag, first of all, on this church and the children's ministry that is downstairs because Guys, when I tell you guys that we have a treasure in our kids' ministry that Pastor Chase and Pastor Sarah and then the leaders that have come before me have set up downstairs, I'm telling you, like, I cannot say enough. I tell other people, the um, volunteer team that I have, the, the family that it feels like, and they honestly kind of just let their mouths drop open. And I go, I don't mean to brag, but um, it's amazing. So thank you all so much just for, you know, welcoming me with open arms and then also for gifting me with one of the most incredible treasures I could have ever inherited as a children's pastor. Um, your kids are amazing, and they are so smart. I think they're smarter than me, so don't tell them because I get challenged every single week. Um, but with that, what I want to say to you guys is obviously thank you for bringing your kids every week. Please do not let up in the service that you guys have on our team because that is what equips us to make sure that your kids are getting the gospel every single week and that they're also receiving the Holy Spirit and being impacted in him or be impacted by him in real ways because y'all that really does happen. We are not downstairs babysitting. We are truly giving them the word of God every single week and I pray that their little lives are changed and that legacy downstairs is just as impactful on our town as legacy upstairs. So that being said, we've got a couple of things coming up as we're growing, and that is starting in January. Um, I need to be able to communicate with y'all just a little bit better because we have lots going on, and I pray that we'll continue to have even more. And so there will be a newsletter starting in January where that will just be separate from our monthly newsletter and our weekly newsletter that we have here at Legacy with everybody. And it'll be geared just towards parents, um, volunteers. I would love for you guys to be also on that newsletter. And it's just going to include the uh, curriculum theme that we have for each month. Also, just a word to parents, encouragement. I feel like we need a lot of encouragement raising kids in today's uh, world. It's hard, right? Like, we don't talk about that enough, but it is really difficult to raise up godly, God-fearing, Christ-centered children in 2021. It's just difficult. So sometimes I feel like you guys just need a word of encouragement. I need a word of encouragement, too sometimes. And so that is what that newsletter will do. So look out for that in January. The second thing that I want to um, just bring up to you guys is December 10th. We are having kind of like a gift to you parents. Um, it is the biggest birthday bash. I think last year you guys did it in the form of the Polar Express. And I think Maria and her team did an incredible job. I saw the pictures and my mouth just like hung open at how amazing that looked. We're going to do the same thing this year, but we're going to change the theme. It's called the biggest birthday bash. And parents, you get a night out. So if you guys want to Come and drop off your children from 6 to 8, and we are going to have nursery this year. Um, that is going to be a night where we just kind of kick off the holiday season, go have a date night on us, or go get your Christmas shopping done, whatever you need to do. You've got two hours that are completely on our church, um, and that is coming up 
that Friday night, what we'll do is we'll check your um, children in as normal and then we'll let you guys go. And like I said, we will be providing nursery this year. But that means that I've got three areas of service that I'm going to need y'all's help. So the first one is going to be party prep. Um, If you're a parent, obviously I want you to be out that Friday night. I don't want you here volunteering because it's for you. So if you guys can help me though, um, I'm going to need a lot of hands on deck as far as just getting that event ready because we just want to wow our kids, um, especially as we kick off the Christmas season centered on Christ and what the season's actually about. The second way I need um, volunteers is in the Quivers room because we are providing nursery. We're just going to need a few more hands on deck as far as the actual childcare piece. And then obviously, lastly, we're going to need eyes on the kids if you are not a parent or if you're in that that stage of life where um, maybe you're married and don't have children yet. Maybe you're not married. Maybe you're single. Maybe you're a teen. um, Whatever. I need you in here that Friday, December 10th, if you have nothing else going on from six to eight, because I promise you, even though you're volunteering and serving, you will leave blessed because I am sure that Legacy has some of the best kids I have met. And I'm not just saying that they are incredible. So thank y'all so much for letting me get to do what I do week in and week out. And also just for the gift of this family. Like y'all are just incredible, and I love to see how God is moving in our church. Thanks. So be sure you take note of those things um, that um, you'll be able to start registering this week for the event, start signing up this week for the newsletter, so be sure that you do that. Who's ready for the word today? Open up your Bible to John chapter 5 with me. I want to say thank you so much for your faithfulness with your tithes and with your offering and giving. It allows us to do not only events here in our church and outreach, but also things like we're doing like Merry Christmas um, and uh, partnering with different people. So I just want to say thank you so much for that. If you'd like to give and be a part of what God is doing, our ushers will be um, at the door as you leave. You can fill out an envelope, drop it in the bucket. You can also give online at LegacyRome.com. You can also give on your app, or you can text any amount to the number on the bottom of that screen there. Once you get that set up, it's a real easy process. So thank you so much. Turn with me to John chapter 5 today, verse 5. As you're, uh, as we are turning there today, I do want to recognize we have a guest today. Uh, Kate Tanner is here uh, and his family. I don't know, uh, you probably have heard us calling out his name. We've been praying for Kate. He was in an automobile accident. When was that? of this year, January of this year. Um, and you can see um, it's changed his life that we've been praying and we, we're believing with you all and we are here uh, for you. So please uh, know that, but it's a joy to have you here with us uh, today. Let's give Kate and his family a hand today. John chapter 5, verse 5 through 9 says, Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well? And verse 7, the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked, and that day was the Sabbath. I want us to look again, verse 8, read that again. Jesus said to him, rise, get up, take your bed and walk. Um, Whenever we're thinking about the Lord and his work and how how he moves and the things that he does, 
of for you and I and for the church and for the world. There's a long list of words that we could use to describe um, his desire and his work for our lives. Uh, justification, sanctification, uh, redemption. I mean, this list could go on and on of what God is able to do for us today. But one thing is very true, that God's plan always includes improving our lives. Um, it may not feel like it when God starts to move, when God starts to do something. It may not feel like he is improving our lives. It may hurt. It may be painful. It may There may be dis, some discomfort. But at the end of the day, God is always trying to make uh, our lives and improve our lives to a better place. Uh, the word says that the latter will be greater than, than the previous and the former. Uh, right now, where you may be, um, it may not be in a good, it may not be in a great place, or it, it may be great, but he said, look, there's even greater things that can happen for you when I come into your life. Wherever and whenever God engages with your life, there will always be improvement. We see Jesus um, in the New Testament, and he's working miracles, miracles that are improvements to people's life. You can't, you can't talk. He said, okay. He said, well, let me touch you, and, I'll, and I'm going to improve your life. The seas are too rough for you. Well, let me speak to the winds. Let me speak to the waves, and I will improve your situation. What happens when God brings people into your life. It is an improvement. When God brings people into your life, he's improving your life. How many of you know what happens when God takes people out of your life? He's improving your life. Can someone say amen? Whenever he gives and takes away, it is, it is all about improving where you are. Do you know what happens when he opens a door? When he closes a door, he's looking for a way to improve your life. You may think that he's breaking something, but he's actually trying to fix something in your life because whenever However, wherever there is a divine involvement from the Lord, there will always be improvements. In other words, if it isn't better, guess what? He isn't finished yet. If right where you are is not better than where you started, guess what? The Lord is not finished with you yet. Because whenever he gets finished, it is always better. When he gets finished with your relationships, they will always be better. If it isn't better yet, don't listen to the, the lie of Satan and say, the Lord is finished because no, the Lord is not finished with you yet. God desires for us to experience him and to experience his will and what he prefers for us. But before we can experience what God prefers for us, he needs our, uh, our participation in this process of life. There are times when what he prefers, his will for us, what he prefers for our life, um, and what we are experiencing feel like two different things. Has anyone ever been there where you felt like you knew what God wanted for you? Or maybe someone spoke a word over you. Maybe you grabbed hold of a vision or a dream, and you feel like this is where God wants me. And then the next day you wake up, and it's like the world just falls apart. And you're standing there like, Lord, this, this definitely 
This definitely cannot be what you prefer for me. There are times when he prefers uh, for us to get up, but sometimes we don't want to get up because we can still live lying down. God prefers things for us. And in John chapter 5, we see something that he prefers for this man, what he wants for this man. He wants for this man to be well. And in John chapter 5, we see Jesus as he is traveling through this town called Bethesda. John tells us that Bethesda was near a sheep gate. And on the other side of a sheep gate, there was a pool. And around the pool, there were five covered porches with five uh, beams holding them all up. He says that there was a sheep gate at Bethesda. And on the other side of the sheep gate, there was a pool. And around the pool, there were five uh, covered porches that had five pillars each. There was a sheep gate. And then there was a pool. And around the pool, there were five covered porches with five pillars. Um, and and this, this, this sheep gate that we hear about, when you go through the sheep gate, you get access to the pool. And whenever you get access to the pool, you then are surrounded by, by, the, by the five pillars. See, everything in Scripture not only has a natural meaning, but it also has a, a, a spiritual meaning. We need to understand that this sheep gate is a metaphor for Jesus. And, and Jesus leads us to the pool. This pool is a metaphor. The water in the New Testament. Testament is a metaphor for the Holy Spirit. Jesus can lead us to the Holy Spirit. To get the Holy Spirit, you first must come through Jesus. Amen. And then whenever, whenever you get the Holy Spirit, there are five pillars surrounding that. The five that, that, that is symbolic of the five-fold ministry: the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. And all of this is at a place called Bethesda. Bethesda means a house of grace. A house of grace. See, the only way that you can get into a place of grace is to come through the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. That is the only way through grace is to call on the name of Jesus. You can call on the name of any other God, but guess what? You will not get to a Bethesda. You will not get to the place of grace. Can anybody testify through that? Before you can get to a place of grace, you've got to go through the way, the truth, and the life. And and then you get access to the Holy Spirit and you meet him at the place of grace. It's a place of grace. A place of grace is a place where you can come and get what you don't deserve. A place of grace is where you can receive benevolence and ministry that you did not earn for yourself. It is a place where God demonstrates his goodness and his mercy in such a way that whenever you leave that place, you can't even put it into words about how good God and his grace is in your life. John, John tells us that this place of grace, whenever he got to Bethesda, that there were a bunch of people that were in the need of God's grace. There were some blind people. There were lame people. All in this place of grace. Um, who you are, who you are in life. Sometimes we get so focused on who we are, but who you are is not the only thing that is important. But where you are is also important because supernatural things happen when you get in the right place and around the right people. Amen. I don't know about you, but I've been in some places, some churches where I just felt like something was about to happen. It was a place where God was moving. Where you are 
are in life is important. So at this pool, we have people who are in the right place, but it seems that they are not getting any better. It seems like they are not partaking of the grace. They are in Bethesda, but they are still blind. In the natural, they were blind, but in the spiritual, this is symbolic of those that have no vision. They, 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 they really didn't know what God wanted for their lives. They were visionless. They had nothing to hold on to from one day to the next. They had no picture of what God preferred for their life. And whenever you have no picture of what God wants to do tomorrow, it makes it, and sometimes it makes it impossible to get through today. Sometimes the only way you can get through today is if you know God will meet you in tomorrow. Amen. Not only were there people there with no vision, but the word says that there was also a group of people there who were lame. Being lame suggests that, that, that there were some people there that had the use of some of their faculties and some of their limbs, but not all of their body worked. It's like being in Bethesda. It's like being in a house of grace like this, but not being able to reach your potential. Some of their body worked, but there were parts that did not work. How many of you have ever been in a place where you felt like you were moving and you were striving? Part Part of your life was on target, but there was something in your life that was dragging you down. You were spiritually lame, so to speak. You can move some areas. You could work in some areas, but, but, but there was just something in your life that kept tearing you down, that kept holding you down. I feel frustrated um, and I feel fulfilled all at the same time. I'm grateful for what I have, Lord, but I also want the more of you. I'm thankful for what you've done for me, but I'm also eager to see what you have in store. I want to know, is there anyone in this Bethesda? You are content, but you are not satisfied. You know God has touched you, but you want even more. You get in that place sometimes where you're working and working, but it feels like something is working against you. Then the Bible says that there was a group of people that were also paralyzed from a spiritual perspective. It is like those that feel that they have been left behind. It's for those that feel like time is moving, but they are going nowhere. Everyone else is in, everyone else is advancing, but why can't I? Why am I stuck in this season? It's like they were headed in an upward position, but then they reach a spiritual plateau and everything just suddenly comes to a stop. Everything was great, but now, but now my, my, my marriage is, is just stuck. My finances my career, everything, it just feels like it's come, it's come to a screeching halt. And all of these people are in Bethesda. All of these people are in a house of grace, and they are dealing with these issues. Does this sound familiar? They are in a Bethesda. Listen, the church, uh, the church of today should be a house of grace. Can I get an amen? Whenever people walk into churches this morning, they should feel like they are walking into a Bethesda, a place where grace abounds much. They, these people, the, 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 the lame, the blind, those that were stuck, they were all in a place of grace like this. They were in Bethesda and they were singing on Sundays. They were serving on serve teams. They were part of legacy groups. They were meeting you at the door. They were smiling on the outside, but on the inside of them, they were blind, lame, and just stuck. And when people ask how they're doing, 
doing. They're always doing great. They know everything to say. They know all of the church lingo. You know, I'm blessed and highly favored. You know, God is good and all the time, God is good. And they know everything to say, but on the inside, they are blind, they are lame, and they are stuck. And they are wondering, what is going on? Surely, Lord, you did not bring me to this place for just this, Lord. I thought whenever you were moving in my life that you were supposed to be improving my surroundings and my condition. And in the middle of the blind, the lame, and the stuck, here comes Jesus walking through Bethesda. Here comes Jesus walking through the place of grace. Get this. Jesus is walking around. And he is stepping over bodies. He is, he is, he, he is walking through a maze of, of people who are lame and sick and in, their, and in their situation. And he decides to go to one guy and he stops at one guy. It Once again, it was a picture-perfect way of displaying grace. It wasn't earned. It was just simple grace. How many of you this morning are thankful for God's amazing grace? You didn't earn it, but praise the Lord, I'll receive it. Anybody in here thankful for God's amazing grace this morning? This one guy gets the gift of, 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 of God, of Jesus' grace. It was this picture perfect out of everyone that Jesus could have came to. Guess what? He came to you. Out of everyone that God has called, guess what? He called you. Why? Because it's just his grace. Out of everyone that Jesus could have touched, he wants to touch you today. Out of everyone that Jesus could have saved, he saved you. Why? Because it's it's because of his grace and his favor on your life. He walks up to this man, and the word says that he could see that this man had been in this condition for a long time. For 38 years, that's a long time to be in a condition that you don't want to be in. Jesus walks up to this man and asks, do you want to be made well? This may seem a little insensitive to some people who were reading the scripture. And I'm sure he was like, you mean to tell me I've been here for 38 years and you want to ask me, you have the audacity to ask me if I want to be better. And he says, do you want to be made well, because I want you to be made well, but do you want to be made well? I want you to get up, but do you want to get up? Because your transformation is going to require your participation. And before you can get there, you've also got to do something yourself. And you are going to have to make this thing called a decision that I want to get up. I know I can help you, but do you want to get up? How many of you have ever tried to help somebody that nobody can help? I tried to help you, but you can't help yourself. He said, do you really want to get up? Do you really 
want to be made well because if so, you've got to make a decision that you are going to break this cycle that you've been in for three decades. Do you really want to break this? Do you really want to go through this? Are you, are you, are you tired of every day laying on the same mat? Do you really want to be made well today? Are you tired of limited improvements when God can, when, when God can change everything in your life? Do you feel like it today? Where you are has a lot to do with your faith and your feelings. And when your feelings start overriding your faith, you start to have problems. How many of you know that we live in a, in a culture where people are all up in their feelings? I mean, they're all up in their feelings. You can't say anything today without hurting somebody's feelings. Everybody's up in their feelings. And Jesus knew that Sometimes we get so caught up in our feelings that it overrides our faith. Are you feeling like getting up today? Do you really want to get up today? Because if you don't feel like it and, it, and, and your faith can't get past your feelings, he's like, this is, this, this is never going to work. Jesus knew that sometimes people just like you and I, we get stuck in seasons and cycles because sometimes they just don't feel like doing what it takes to get out. Mm. Sometimes I know I should pray, Lord, but because I know we can help me get up. But if I'm just being honest, I don't feel like praying today. How many of us have ever been there? I know I should go witness to that person, but I really don't feel like it today. I know I should read your word and I would be empowered by it and changed by your word. But Lord, right now, it's just, I, I'm just really not feeling like it today. I know I need more than you just, just on Sunday mornings, oh God. And I know I need a touch from you today. And I know that comes when I begin to worship you. And I come into your gates with thanksgiving and enter into your courts with praise. But today, I just don't feel like worshiping, Lord. And the enemy can get all up in your feelings. He can get you, if he can get up in your feelings, he can get you to stay in the same spot for 38 years. Mm. 38 years. Jesus is about to tell this man to do something that he hasn't done in 38 years. Wow. Jesus is about to tell this man to do something that he doesn't even think he can do himself. Jesus is about to speak something to this man that is going to make him emotional. It's going to spark some emotion inside of him. God's words evokes emotion. If God speaks to you and you have no emotion, you need to go pray about it. Because when God speaks to you, you're going to have some emotion. It may be tears, it may be laughter, it may be dancing, but when God speaks, it brings emotion. That's why I have to question the validity of people that come and say, God spoke this to me, but they have no they have no emotion behind it. We were talking about worship today. Guess what? When people look at me and they say, How, why do you worship like that? I said, do you know what the Lord has done for you? Do you know what the Lord has done for me? If you just knew what the Lord has done, you wouldn't be laughing at me or talking about me like that. God has been too good for me to sit here like this. God has been so good to me to, to, to raise my pinky during worship. I have to be, I just got to tell somebody how good God is to me. 
becomes emotion. I mean, whenever he speaks, I mean, God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, and guess what? It made him emotional. God, God told Naaman, go dip seven times, and he was evoked by emotion. God says, love your enemies. That'll bring some emotion to you. I'll slap them, but I ain't going to love them, Lord. You tell me to slap them, I'll do it, Lord. I will slap them right now. You just tell me when, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Send me. I will do it for you, Lord. Anybody ever been there? But I ain't going to love them. Because I get angry. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know me. You don't know what they did to me. Uh Uh-uh. Whenever God speaks, it brings emotion. And God's word produces emotions and feelings. And how we manage our emotions determines our decisions. I mean, whenever you look in the New Testament and Jesus starts working miracle after miracle, miracle after miracle began with a decision. There was a wedding going on and the Wine ran out. What did Mary do? She made a decision. I got to go talk to Jesus. When Bartimaeus is on the roadside, Jesus was passing by. He made a decision. I don't care. You can tell me to shut up all you want to, but I'm just going to cry even louder because I know whenever he hears me, I'm making a decision right now. He's going to hear me. The woman with the issue of blood heard that Jesus was near. She said, I don't care if the barricades are up. I don't care who says you can't touch him. There is Jesus. I see him. I'm in need. I'm making a decision right now. I'm going to press my way till I touch him until until I receive my miracle. And guess what? You can make a decision today. This year is going to end better than it started. You can make a decision right now in your life. My ladder will be greater than the farmer. You can make a decision. I'm not going to. I'm I, Right now, I'm making a decision. I'm going to get up because the devil cannot keep me down. You can make a decision right now, but do you feel like it? Getting up ain't easy. Jesus looks at this man and says, get up. I wasn't there. I was not an eyewitness, but I can only imagine the look on his face when Jesus said, get up then. I can't imagine him sitting there 38 years and this man walks up and says, if you want to get up. I'm sure he was like, if I could do that, I would have already done it, Jesus. Thanks for the word, but keep on walking because I can't walk. The nerve of Jesus, the nerve to tell you to do something that you can't do. The nerve. The gall of Jesus to tell you to do what you think you can't do. The gall. I mean, the nerve of Jesus to tell you what you've not done in 38 years. Can't believe it. How could he call me out of my comfort zone? 
How could he call me out of my comfort mat that I've been laying on for 38 years? Lord, I was, it was just getting broken in. Lord, it, just, it, was, it was almost starting to feel right. I've been in it so long. It was just starting to feel right. How, de- how, could, you, how could you interrupt my normal? How could, you do, how could you ask me to do such a thing? And he says, I can do it because I created you. And I know the gifts that I put inside of you. And I know the untapped potential inside of you. I know it. I've seen you on this beginner level for 38 years. And now I'm calling you up to a whole new level. How can I ask you to do that? Because I know what's inside of you. You don't even know what's inside of you. He said, how could you do such a thing? Because even when I knit you together inside of your mother's womb and I was ordaining your future, guess what? That mat was nowhere in your future. Why are you still laying on it? He said, do do you really want to get well? Why would you ask me to do that? Get this. The Bible says that he said, get up. And immediately he got Mm-mm. How? No, 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 no. It ain't supposed to work like that. I was telling first service that we are in such a dangerous place in this world because we are in this place of anti-supernatural when it comes to God. We will explain it away, but yet we believe in mummies, vampires, unicorns, Psychics, paranormal activity, but we will explain away the move of the Holy Ghost. Ain't no way he could get up like that. No, 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 no. That was staged. That was rigged. No, 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 no. But but we will we will go watch a movie with vampires and read all the books. Somebody just started feeling guilty right there. I'm going to do an altar call right now. We will do all of those things. Such crazy things. Vampires. Mummies. Have you seen stranger things? Have you seen this stuff? But we will not have the faith that the God of the universe could raise somebody up who was lame, and say, walk, and it could happen. We explain it away. Jesus spoke it. That man made a decision. I'm going to get up. This is another issue. We have too many Christians that have journals with sermon notes, but they're not encountering the author of the word. You've done every Beth Moore study, but you've not encountered the Lord. You watch Creflo every Monday morning. I ain't hating on Creflo, but you haven't encountered the Lord. You watch TBN all day long. I ain't judging TBN, but you haven't encountered the Lord. There are too many people that have the books but have not encountered the author of the one who wrote the book. They have the word, but they are missing the encounter. And he had been there for 38 years. He had heard what would happen, but he had not yet had an encounter. The man got up after 38 years 
and started to walk. Man, help me out. Another reason a lot of people can't get up to the next level is the very fact that they allow what they've always seen to dictate the experience of their future. I've never seen anybody dance in this church. It can't happen. We don't do that here. It can't happen. I've never seen anybody raised from the dead, so it can't happen here. I've never seen anybody get up out of a wheelchair, so it can't happen. And we allow what we have seen to override what God can do. And we get all up in our feelings like, well, it's never happened, so God can't do it here. I mean, I heard about it, but I've never seen it. And so since I've never seen it, there's no way that God would, there's no way that God would ever do that here. One thing I can't stand is when someone comes up and says, we've never done it that way before. As a leader, if I had hair, I'd pull it out. (laughs) And I say, I don't care. You don't believe God can do more than he did for your granny? You heard the testimonies from Granny. If he did it back then, guess what he could do today? The latter is going to be greater. If it was great back with Granny, why can't I do it right now? Jesus said, now is your time to get up. And whatever has been holding you has got to let you go. He gets up. He starts carrying his mat. He starts carrying the very thing that had been carrying him for years. He, he grabs hold of the thing that had, hold, that had been holding him back for years. Now we see this picture. Now that he's in grace. Now that he's in a place of grace. Now we see him taking authority over the things that had authority over him. And the question I have for you today is, how much longer can you keep believing? Some of you are right there. How much longer can you keep believing? It may not take 38 years, but how long can you keep believing? Stand with me today. How long can you keep believing? Somebody in the house, you just need to hold up your mat. You need to grab hold of that thing that has you blind and lame and stuck. And you just need to look at it and say, somebody's got to give up, but it's not going to be me today. You need to tell the devil, I'm not, I'm not going down like this because I'm getting up today. You need to tell the devil, I believe in my God. I've been praying and fasting. I may not have seen it last week but I'm still believing for it I'm still believing for it I'm still believing for it the things happening will not deter me you need to tell the devil devil I'm not going down without a fight I don't I don't just have strong faith but I've got long faith I've got faith that will hold me through the fight I've got faith that will take me to the next level I may not happen today but I've got a long faith that can hold me I've got good news to bring you today guess what you are in a place of grace this morning you are standing in a Bethesda this morning you are in a house of grace all you need to do is get to the sheep gate you need to get to Jesus today and on the other side of Jesus he wants to lead you to a pool called the Holy Spirit so you can be empowered from on high and whenever you get around the pool and whenever you
you come through Jesus and you get the Holy Ghost in you, surrounding you will be five pillars. It's five, it's the five-fold ministry. The church will come around you. The church will come around you and we will uphold you today. This man got up, but first he had to get over his feelings. God is calling you to get over something so you can get in him today. Some of you so caught up in your head. If a miracle were to smack you in the face today, you wouldn't even know it. Because I just ain't feeling it today. I just ain't feeling it today. Anybody ever got up and said, I ain't feeling it today. You walked into your job and said, I ain't feeling it today. I just ain't feeling it today. One thing you cannot do is walk into a Bethesda and say, I, I just ain't feeling it today, Lord. He wants you to get through the sheep gate into a spirit and let the church surround you. I've never seen this story like this before reading and listening and watching and all this stuff about Bethesda, it's never really stuck out to me. I've, I was so fixated on this man that I didn't see how this word spoke to me. Isn't it amazing the layout of that city he is speaking to us today? Get over yourself. Look at your neighbor. Say, get over yourself. I know you've been wanting to say that to them a long time. Tell somebody else. It feels good, don't it? It feels good, don't it? Get over yourself. Get over your feelings. And get in the glory of the Lord. 